October 31st, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin, we're finishing the conversation in the Gemara with regards to Eid Hanidahat. So the Gemara will begin us today on a related issue, not directly related, and quickly uh, bring a proof or a disproof from our Mishnah with regards to, to, to uh, Eid Hanidahat. Uh, the Gemara begins five lines before the lines get wide, the second word on the line. So it says the Gemara, Tenan Hatam. Generally speaking, 99.9% of the time when the Gemara says the word Tenan, it's a reference to a Mishnah. Tanya would be a Beraita. If you have a little marking in the Gemara, it points out this time, it's not a Mishnah, it's actually a Beraita. So it is. It says Tenan nonetheless. Tenan Hatam, it says it's, we learned in the Beraita over there, Masechet Pesachim, the following law, Isa. Shel Ma'aser Sheni, Petura Minahala, Divrer Bimeir Hahamim. Mehayevin. There's a mahloket with regards to Isa shel ma'aser sheni. What we're dealing with is several terms. First and foremost, ma'aser sheni. Ma'aser sheni, as we've discussed recently, but so many times in the past, the Torah commands that on years one, two, four, and five of the Shemitah cycle, a person needs to take from their produce a tenth bring it to Yerushalayim, enjoy it together with their family. If they're not able to, because there's too much produce, too many goods, so they can redeem it with money, take that money to Yerushalayim, purchase food there, and enjoy it in that fashion. That's what Ma'aseh Sheni is. What's that? Say it again. Isa is from your produce. Isa comes forth from grain. Grain is your produce. What we're dealing with specifically over here is ma'aseh sheni that comes from grain. Grain, in turn, is turned into dough so that you can make bread. Uh, what we're dealing with as a result is the mitzvah hala, the Torah in parashat shelah, in the midbar perek tetvav, tells the following halacha. Reshit arisotechem tarimu teruma. You need to take from the first of your dough production and take from that terumala Hashem. That terumala Hashem is what we call hafrashat halal. You're familiar with this mitzvah. I imagine women until today perform this mitzvah, uh, or men as well. Uh, so says the Gemara, in this context, we're dealing with dough, which is made from ma'aser sheni produce, from grain of ma'aser sheni. What's the halakha going to be in such a circumstance? In such a situation, well, the Torah is clear, it needs to be reshit arisotechem. It's your uh, dough, it's your produce. And as a result, if you're dealing with items that come from ma'aser sheni, maybe it's not considered yours any longer. Do you follow the direction here in the Gemara? Again, I'm dealing with a mitzvah on your own dough, on the bread that you're producing for yourself from your own items. Reshit arisotechem. How am I going to determine when it's ma'aser sheni? Well, on the one hand, I am able to enjoy it. I'm eating it. I'm not giving it to someone else. Maybe it's mine. On the other hand, there are strict rules. I have to have it b'tahara. I need to have it b'yerushalayim. Maybe it has a different status. That's the question. So the issue is, isa hafrashat hala on ma'aser sheni. Says the, says the beraita then, isa shel ma'aser sheni petura minahala divrer bimeir. Bimeir's opinion is, it's petura minahala. Since the status of the dough, of the grain, which is ma'aser sheni, 
is what we call mamon gavoa. It doesn't actually belong to you. You don't have an actual stake in it. You're allowed to eat from it. You're even commanded to eat from it, but it's not yours. That's God's produce. That's God's stuff. Uh, you don't take hafrashat halal. You only take hafrashat halal when it's arisotechem. Hachamim disagree. Hachamim mehayevim. They say even in this situation where it's maaseshin, you still need to do hafrashat halal. After all, you're going to enjoy it. Therefore, we consider it mamon be'alim. We consider it uh, the monetary uh, um, engagement and, and ownership of the person who uh, was mafrish. Says the Gemara. Furthermore, Amarav hasta mahlok maaseshin birushalaim. Did be meir savar. Hasta qualifies this mahlokit, he says the dispute between Bimei and Hachamim is specifically and only when you already brought that produce to Yerushalayim. In such a circumstance, Rabbi Meir says, well, that's Mamon Gavoy. It was Mamon Gavoy. It is Mamon Gavoy. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. Then and now, either in Yerushalayim or out of Yerushalayim, Hachamim disagree. Hachamim say, now that you find yourself in Yerushalayim, the place, the location where you're allowed to be eating from this, it's now considered Mamon Hedyot. And therefore, if you're baking it as dough, you need to take Halas specifically there. If you're outside of Jerusalem, if you hold the Yerushalayim, says Rav Hasta, even the Hachamim, Hachamim are the opinion who consider your Ma'aseh Sheni Mamon Hediot, it's belonging to you. But you're outside of Yerushalayim, in what way is it yours? You're not able to enjoy it, yes, Nick? Could you say it again? Once you baked the Hala, you manipulated the item, could you now do a pidyon on it? I'm not certain. Why was that? Why is that going to affect us over here? In other words, with regards to pidyon, we're going to see pidyon is not so simple with regards to determining it uh, in terms of ownership uh, per se. But the statement then of hachamim is that when you're or, or of Rav Hasta, according to the hachamim, if you're outside of Yerushalayim, everybody agrees that if it's ma'aseh any produce, if it's ma'aseh any grain that you're dealing with, you don't do, you don't do a hafrashat hala. Why not? Outside of Yerushalayim, it doesn't belong to you. Words, you don't even need to bake it into something that doesn't belong to you. It's not yours even according to the hachamim. Rashi has two lishonot, he has two interpretations. One is the way we just explained it, that outside of Yerushalayim, according to the hachamim, the dough, which is from Ma'aseh Sheni, doesn't belong to you. It's considered Mamon Gavoa. The other interpretation of Rashi is it's not per se Mamon Gavoa, but since I could never be enjoying this outside of Yerushalayim, it therefore doesn't necessitate Haflashat Hala. Either way you slice it, that's the statement of Rav Hastat. To one more time state it succinctly, Rav Hastat says that when you're outside of Yerushalayim, Everybody agrees, both Rabbi Meir and Hachamim. Plus, place those names in the back burner. We don't need those names any longer. Well, we always need those names for our conversation. Outside of Yerushalayim, everybody agrees, and this is the key line, that there will not be hafrashat hala on ma'asesheni. That if you have your ma'asesheni produce, which you collected and separated, you don't take hafrashat hala. Says the Gemara, well, let's break that down over here because uh, after all, Mativ Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef responds from our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, ma'asesheni v'kitveha kodesh yiganzu. The halakha is with regards to a 
Ir that's our city, where they worshipped Avodah Zarah. In such a circumstance, any of the property owned by the individuals in the city, whether it's Sadiqim or Rishayim, is going to be destroyed. However, if it's Ma'asir Shini, the halakha is Yiganzu. That already is somewhat telling. Does that mean that the Ma'asir Shini is not belonging to the people? Well, it sounds like that, because after all, anything that belongs to the people, we're destroying. It sounds like Ma'asir Shini doesn't belong to the people. Okay, well, let's think about that further. askinan, uh, what do we do? Now, uh, let me pause for a second as well and tell you, if it doesn't belong to the people, um, let me just flesh this out together with you. If it doesn't belong to the people, Ma'asir uh, Shini doesn't belong to the people, so you're not destroying it as part of Ir Hanidahat. Why not? Because it doesn't belong to anyone in the city. What should you do with it? Why is it Yiganzu? Why is it that we need to bury it? Why can't it instead be eaten? That's, of course, the direction we're going in over here. We're going to try to prove the fact that it's Yiganzu is stating to us, is implying to us that the Ma'asir Sheni is Mamon Hedyot. Let me restate that again. The fact that you have Ma'asir Sheni in the Ir Dahat and it cannot be eaten, seems to imply to us that Ma'asheshini's status in this situation is such that it's not Mamun Gavoy, it doesn't belong to God, so to speak. Why doesn't it belong to God? If it did belong to God, not only does it not get destroyed, bring it to Yerushalayim and eat it there. Let someone eat it. Let it continue. Why do you need to bury it? The fact that you're burying it seems to imply it belonged to the people in some way or fashion. You just can't burn it. It's haram to burn something that has God connected to it. Well, that being the case, let's break this down further to try to actually prove that point. That's going to be a question on Rav Hasta's initial statement that outside of Yerushalayim, the status of Ma'asir Sheni, according to all, is that it's off bounds for eating. Says the Gemara, or it's off bounds for, uh, for, for, for um, ownership. Says the Gemara, Bemai Askinan, or says Rav, uh, Rav Yosef, what are we dealing with in our Mishnah? Ilema Yerushalayim. Perhaps the case is that you're in Yerushalayim. Maybe the case in our Mishnah when we said Eid Hanidachat, Yav Ma'asir Sheni, Yiganzu. It was talking about when you're in Jerusalem. Maybe that was the case. If that's the case, there's no question. If that's the case, in Yerushalayim, we said, we saw the opinion according to the Hachamim, it's Mamon Hedyot. That's where you're allowed to eat it, and as a result, you have a certain stake and ownership in it. And maybe that's what we're talking about. It says the Gemara, it can't be in Yerushalayim, because Yerushalayim cannot and will not be an Eid Hanidahat. Mihavya Eid Hanidahat. Can, will Yerushalayim ever be an Eid Hanidahat? Vehatanya doesn't debraita. Alternatively, teach us, Asara Devarim Neemru Be Yerushalayim. There were 10 unique. Uh, halachic statuses that you have Yerushalayim and one of them is it cannot and will not ever be an Irhanidahat. Even if the majority of its inhabitants worship Avodazara, it cannot be Irhanidahat. Why not? The Torah says it says the Torah says in one of your cities which seems to imply it's a specific city for a specific tribe. Tribe, the Torah furthermore says, the people from one of the tri- from that tribe will come in. Uh, that's not the case with Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim, the Gemara Masech the seventh chapter teaches us, Lonit Shvatim, Yerushalayim was never split up. If Yerushalayim was never split up, it can't be that Ir Hanidahat is in Yerushalayim, which is a place which by definition is determined by the tribe. That being the case, it can't be that our Mishnah is referring to again the Ma'asir Sheni, which is buried while in 
Ir Hanidachat, which is in Yerushalayim, which would resolve things. Ve'ela, rather, it must be Bi'iracheret. It must be that we're dealing with in a different city. Ve'askuha legava, and maybe the circumstances, they took the Ma'aseh Sheni, brought it into Yerushalayim. Uh, if they took it and brought it into Yerushalayim, uh, says the Gemara, kaltuhu mechitzot. The, uh, the walls of the city of Yerushalayim, we'll find out later, Midrabbanan, swallow up, they accept, they absorb anything that's entered in with regards to Kiddushah, that you can't then take it out. As a result, you can't start the conversation of should we destroy it, can we burn it, should we bury it. If it's in Yerushalayim, you can't take it out. Elalav big vulin, rather the Mishnah, which is telling us that the Ma'aseh Sheni, which comes from Irhani Dahat and needs to be buried, must be talking about it's not talking about in Yerushalayim, it's talking about outside of Yerushalayim. Let me repeat to you again what Rav Hasta told us. Rav Hasta told us that if you have Ma'aseh Sheni, Yerushalayim, you have this produce from year one, two, four, five, you, se- you separated a tenth of it. The status of that, both according to the Hachamim and Rabbi Meir, is that it's not your ownership. If it's not your ownership, you don't take afrashat halaf from it. If it's not your ownership, furthermore, you shouldn't have to burn it or deal with it for irhani dahad. If you don't have to burn it, deal with it in irhani dahad, you should be able to eat it. How come the Mishnah tells us that the ma'aseh sheni, which we're understanding, it's hotli Yerushalayim, is not eaten, but rather buried because it should have been burned. The katane yiganzu, and our Mishnah tells us it's buried. Why is it buried? It's ma'aseh sheni, chutzli Yerushalayim. The status should be even according to the hakamim. It's not considered mamon hediot. When did it turn into? Misha'at hafrasha. What's the difference? It means before. Got it. Before it became Eirhani Dahat. You're saying otherwise it was Isur Bahana'a, you couldn't be Makdish, you, you couldn't be Mafrish, it wouldn't count anyway, no question. The fact that it's considered Ma'aseh Sheni is beforehand. No, but what I'm saying is the fact that we're talking about Ma'aseh Sheni and Yiganzu, you wouldn't be Gonez, you'd say it's nonsense, it's nothing, it wasn't yours to touch. Lot le'olam, says the Gemara, instead will suggest di'ir aheret ve'askuha askuhu legava ve'hakha b'may askinan shenitma. So the Gemara gets very creative in working through this opinion of Rav Hasta. Our Mishnah is instead perhaps talking about the Ma'aseh Sheni came from a city which was Irhani Dahat, which ultimately was Irhani Dahat. It was brought into Yerushalayim. <clears throat> Wait, if it was brought into Yerushalayim, there's no conversation. You can't take it out. No, but over here, the halakha is, it was nitma. It became contaminated. If it was nitma, then you should be able to take it out of Yerushalayim. If you should be able to take it out of Yerushalayim, you're not going to eat it as part of your ma'aseh sheni. After all, the Torah tells us in Parashat Kitabo that you say, Bi'arti et kodesh min and I didn't eat from it a bit And that being the case, if I'm dealing with ma'aseh sheni, that went into Yerushalayim, was nitma, became contaminated, that's an exception to the rule. That situation can be taken out of Jerusalem. It can be taken out of Jerusalem. That might be the case we're dealing with, says the Gemara, if that's the case, why don't you 
redeem it. After all, the Amar Bil Azamin Ainla Maaseshini Shinitma Shipodino to Afilu Birushalaim, Talmud Omar, Lotu Khal Seetov, and Seet El Achilash and Emar Vaisa Masot. Me'et panav, says the Gemara, if that were the case, if you're stuck because it's ma'aseh sheni, shenitma, and that's the circumstance and the situation, why it's being nignaz, why it's being buried, technically speaking, you should be able to eat it, we would allow you to eat it, under most circumstances, if it's ma'aseh sheni, which is found, Hotz le Yerushalayim, and it's uh, and uh, you sh- it sh- even though it came from Yerani Dachat, it should be cons- you should be able to consume it. Over here, it was nitma. Uh, after all, the halacha is uh, that if it's nitma, you're not allowed to eat it. Says the Gemara, if you're not allowed to eat it, why don't you just redeem it? Our Mishnah says, what's your choice? You have maaseh sheni, which came from an Yerani Dachat, but it's not in Yerushalayim. As a result, everybody should agree that you should be able to eat from it, should be able to enjoy it. It never fell under the umbrella of Yerani Dachat, saying that you're not allowed to eat from it. You should be able to eat it. Why are you not allowed to eat it? Why is the Mishnah say yipadu? Because we're talking about where it became tamid became Tameh, why don't you just redeem it? Take the monetary value, leave the item. That happens to be the halachar. Bilazar says, the Torah tells us that if you're not able se'eto, which sounds like to carry it, but his gezerah shavah to the storyline of Yosef teaches if you're not able to eat it, meaning it became Tameh, you're allowed to redeem it. Why don't you just redeem it? Why does the Mishnah allow us only to bury it? Answers the Gemara, hachabamayaskinan, belakuah. The case instead is the following. It's getting very uh, stage on top of stage on top of stage. The case is you had Ma'aseh Sheni. And the Ma'aseh Sheni was from Irhani Dahat. However, what you did with the Ma'aseh Sheni was you already took the monetary value. With the monetary value, which you're allowed to do, you purchased something else. Once you purchased something else, you can never redeem that second stage. That's the suggestion of the Gemara. That's the Gemara's understanding. So in turn, the reason the Mishnah that we learned just a few days ago, feels like a while ago, taught us that when it comes to Ma'aseh Sheni, that's coming from Irhani Dahat Yiganzu, the reason it's telling you that is because you already purchased something else. There's a very glaring question that the Gemara will ask in just a moment, and that is, if all this is the case, if we're talking about the Ma'aseh Sheni, either that became Tameh, or that was Lakuah, you already took money and redeemed it, that's not a halakha about Irhani Dahat, that's a general law. The general law you're telling me is when it comes to Ma'aseh Sheni, you're not allowed to redeem it when it's Lakuah, when you took the monetary value and in turn redeemed it for other food. If you're not allowed to, in that circumstance, do anything other than bury it, so why is the Mishnah teaching this by Irhani Dahat? But before we get to that question, says the Gemara, why don't we still redeem that? Yifte answers the Gemara, says the Gemara, we must be following the opinion who says that when you have Lakuah Bekesef Shenitma, you had Ma'aseh Sheni, 
which in turn you took monetary value. You purchased food with it in Jerusalem. And with that food, as you're about to eat from it, it becomes Tameh. What's the status of that food now? Can you do a second redemption? Rid it of its Ma'asir Shani status? A Mahlokit. We're following the opinion who says you're not allowed to. That's the stage on top of stage on top of stage. Says the Gemara, If this is the case, We should be talking about any circumstance, not only if the law that you wanted to teach us in the Mishnah, if your objective was to teach me that Ma'asir Shani, Shenitma, shelakahito ochelacher, lakuach, is that you can't do a redemption on it and you need to bury it. Just teach me that law. I know it's a little funny, but you didn't need to be teaching it to me over here. Teach me this in Ma'asechid Ma'aseh Sheni, where you really did. Tell me the halacha is what I'm dealing with. Ma'aseh Sheni. And I redeemed it initially, and it became Tameh. I can no longer do redemption. I need to bury it. That should be the law, because after all, the suggestion of the Gemara right now is Ma'aseh Sheni, which is from Ir Hanidahat. When it's outside of Yerushalayim, you're allowed to eat it. So the Mishnah is very misleading. The Mishnah seems to tell us Ma'aseh Sheni, which is attached to Ir Hanidahat always needs to be buried. That's not the case, says the Gemara right now. Says the Gemara, it's only when it became Tameh and you redeemed, and you, uh, but you had already redeemed it for money. You're not allowed to redeem it a second time. Uh, nothing to do with Irani Dahat. If anything, it obscures the issue. I walk into the class and I say, I want to teach you a law about Irhani Dahat. I end up teaching you a law which has nothing to do with Irhani Dahat. And the law by Irhani Dahat is the exact opposite. By Irhani Dahat, if you had Ma'asir Shani, the Gemara suggestion right now is that both according to the Bimeir and even according to Hachamim, says Rav Hasta, you're allowed to be eating from it. So why does the Mishnah say you should bury it? Very strange, very misleading, says the Gemara. Rather, says the Gemara, and with this it will resolve itself somewhat, le'olam betahor ukigon dinaful mechisot. It resolves it, but it makes it even more out there. Says the Gemara, the case must be, it never became Tameh. You had Ma'asir Sheni, and it was brought into Yerushalayim. The Ma'asir brought into Yerushalayim, Ma'asir Sheni, our Mishnah in turn is teaching us, needs to be buried, you can't do anything else with it. Why can't you do anything else with it? I thought the Halakha is once it entered into Yerushalayim, it stays in Yerushalayim. You don't need to bury it, you'll eat it in Yerushalayim. The case is that the Mechitzot, the walls of Yerushalayim, fell down. Now that they fell down, I, I know, I know. Now that they fell down, says our Mishnah, you can now take them out. You now must take it outside of Yerushalayim. And once you take it out, well, that being the case, I, I, so, so, what, what, what does it have to do with it? As the Gemara, we're following the opinion of Rava. Rava taught the following, that the halakha from the Torah is, that when is it that the, that the status of Ma'asir Sheni in Yerushalayim achieves its status, a specific status, that's when it's in Yerushalayim, that's a halakha from the Torah. However, this idea of the walls absorbing it, that it can no longer be taken out of the walls, that's only a halakha midrabbanan. If the walls are there, the rabbis stipulated, so then the walls absorbed it and it can't be taken out. If the walls have fallen, if there's no longer walls, it can be taken out. Well, that being the case, suggests our Gemara, I'll bring you back to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said if you have Ma'asir Sheni, 
What's the halacha with regards to Ma'asir Shini? We said Yiganzu. But wait a second, the Ma'asir Shini must be Hotzli Yerushalayim. If it is Hotzli Yerushalayim, the status is it's Mamon Gavoy, you should be able to eat it. No, it must be it's in Yerushalayim. If it's in Yerushalayim, then it's not attached to Yirhani Dacha to begin with. Says the Gemara, no, it was in Yerushalayim after the walls fell. Now it is attached to the Irhani Dahat. It's attached to Irhani Dahat. Does that mean that I can eat from it or not? Well, it's in Yerushalayim. If it's in Yerushalayim, it keeps its status as Mamun Hedyot, and as a result, I need to bury it and I can't eat from it. Yes, that's right. By Irhani Dahat or general? No, no, I'm asking. By, in general or by Irani in general. in general, you brought it to Yerushalayim and the walls fell, you can take it outside of Yerushalayim now. Well, you're not going to fulfill the mitzvah of Ma'aseh Shini, but what you can do is you can redeem it, you can do something with it, even though in general, once it enters into the walls, you can't get it out, over here you could. But, so, but, so the status with Irani Dachat, keep in mind, is the only time it's going to be considered your property is when it's inside the city. The only reason we're going to say it needs to be buried is because it's your property. <laughs> but the only way we're going to talk about it being your property and inside the city, well, it can't be taken outside of the city any longer, in which case, of course, you're eating it. It's kaltuha mechisot. Therefore, suggests the Gemara, a third stage, the walls fell. As a result, it could be taken out of the city, but it was already in the city, achieving the status of mamon hediot. What are you going to do with it now? Well, that's what the Mishnah says. You have to bury it. All right. Have the walls ever fallen? Uh, well, it's a theoretical case of the Mishnah anyway. Uh, maybe they're doing construction. What's that? I don't know. I, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's the, since the walls of Yerushalayim, our issue earlier was kaltuhu mechitzot. There are specific laws in general, but specific about Yerushalayim, the walls of Yerushalayim. Once the Kodesh entered in, it can't be taken out. If it was already brought in and can't be taken out, there's no question of connecting it to Yerhani Dachat any longer. It's cut off from Yerhani Dachat, right? It's stuck in Yerushalayim. As a result, it's for sure memamon hediot, or at the very least, according to the Hachamim, it's Mamon Hediot. And as a result, the owners, of the, the owners according to the Hachamim, would have to, uh, uh, excuse me, once it's in Yerushalayim and we establish it in Yerushalayim, uh, so now we could talk about burning it as part of Ir Hanidahat. The only problem is you can't take it out and bring it back to Yerani Dachat because there are walls to Yerushalayim. Once the walls fall, we now say, wait a second, according to the Hachamim, who hold that when it's in Yerushalayim, it's Mamon Hediot, right? So then you need to bring it back to Yerani Dachat. I need to bring it back to Yerani Dachat, haram, it's Ma'asir Sheni. When the walls fell, and there's Ma'asir Sheni in Yerushalayim, according to the Hachamim, bury it under the ground. Move it out of the way. That's what you need to do with it. All right, that's what the Gemara suggests. Is it far-fetched? It certainly is. The Gemara is trying to square this opinion of Rav Hasda with our Mishnah. Says the Gemara onward, Kitveha Kodesh 
Yiganzu, if you recall, not only was the Maaseh Sheni to be buried, but Kitvei HaKodesh as well, to Sefer Torah, Tefillin, Mezuzot, needed to be buried, says the Gemara, Matnitin Delokr Bili'ezer, the Tanyar Bili'ezer Omer, Kol'ir Shiesh Ba'afilu Mezuzah Ha'at, Enana Aset Ir Hanidahat. Our Mishnah must not accord with Bili'ezer's opinion, because Bili'ezer's opinion is, if the city even has a Mezuzah in it, no, you're not burying the mezuzah. You're not turning the city into an irhanidahat shene emar. After all, the pasuk says v'sarafta ba eshet ta'ir vet kol shelala. Khalil, the Torah says you need to burn the entirety of the city. Khalil means every every single por- portion of the city needs to be buried. However, if there's a mezuzah in that city, you're not able to burn it. After all, the Pasuk says in the context of the Torah says when you enter into Eretz Kenan, you're going to see a lot of Avodazara. Destroy it utterly, demolish and, 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 and do away with anything you find. Don't do so. Means, means say you're never allowed to burn anything that has a sanctity, a kiddushah status to it. Well, that being the case, as Rabbi Le'ezer goes like this, if there's a mezuzah, if there's a sefer Torah, if there's a tefillin in irhani dachat, it cannot and will not be made into an irhani dachat. Well, uh, back to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says, if there's kitvei hakodesh in irhani dachat, what do you do with it? Well, what do you mean if there's kitvei hakodesh in irhani It's not irhani dachat if there's kitvei hakodesh. Clearly, our Mishnah is not following the opinion of Biliezer. Biliezer would say it's not considered Yerhani Dachat of this Kitvei HaKodesh. Our Mishnah says, no, it's considered Yerhani Dachat. You're just not going to destroy those uh, matters of Kedushah. It says the Gemara onward, Bishim'on Omer, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Vechule. If you recall, our Mishnah had a Mahloket at the very end. Um, I'll read it to you very briefly. The, the, at the very end of our Mishnah, Amar Bishim'on, it's back on Daf Kof Yod, Aleph Amud Bet, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Imatem Osin Din and so first and foremost, Rabbi Shimon said, if you do a din it says if it's a korban ola, the pasuk says kalil. But then furthermore, we had a mahloka between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yosef HaGelile. Remember, on the one hand, the pasuk says, tel olam. That city will become this mound of dirt, it sounds like, of destruction. On the other hand, the next pasuk right afterwards says that it should be, it should not be lote ase. Excuse me. The, the next pasuk says right after that. It says vet koshel alatik potzel toch rechova v'sarafta ba eshet ta'ir vet koshel alakalil adonai lechvaitatel olam. And the next words are loti bane od. It should not be built further. So there was mahlok. Biyoseh Gilili says, you want to know what this means? When it says, it means you cannot rebuild the city in any way, shape, or form. It was apartment buildings and homes. You can't now turn it into a park, into a garden, into an orchard. It's done. It needs to be tel olam. Rabbi Akiva says, but read to the end of the pasuk. od means it can't be rebuilt the way it was. It could be rebuilt in another fashion. Build a playground over there. It'd be a little awkward playing there, but let that be the case. Says the Kamara, what they really disagreeing about? Now, a brief word of introduction with regards to this next Gemara, very brief. Uh, we have in the morning uh, Tefilot, and certainly many say it uh, throughout the week, others say it on Shabbat, others never say it. You have the Midot, the 13 Midot Torah Nidreshet Bayim, the 13 ways in which we interpret the Torah. One of them is Kelal Uperat. Kelal Uprat works as follows. There's a general statement in the Pesukim, and then there's a detailed statement with regards to that. I say, uh, they're all men in this room. That's the Kelal. And then I say, and they're all Middle Eastern men, uh, so that's the Perat. It's an initial style of Middle Eastern origins. That's an 
I think. Am I right about that? Yeah, aside from myself, maybe. But anyway, so that's the general statement, and then the details. Now, what's that, what, when the Torah does that, what sort of methodology is, is, is God uh, hoping that we'll understand? Is the perat in some way uh, teaching another law, or is it alternatively, in the way it would be somewhat intuitive to us, in the chabakilah, which means to say the detail now is qualifying the initial statement. I had an initial general statement, and I keep reading, and the next statement goes back and it qualifies the initial one and says, by the way, when we gave you that full statement, that was a way that we write, we really mean what's said afterwards. That's what's called kilalu prat. What about over here? This is a little bit different because on the one hand, the pasuk says, first it says, olam. That's a mitzvah ta'aseh. You must leave it. It's a positive command. You must leave it as a mound, a mound of dirt. That's a, then it says, lo lo od. Don't rebuild it. One was a kelal, it should be a general statement, a mound, and the second one was a perat, don't rebuild it. Do they correlate with each other? Do we say that when my first statement was general, my second one detailed, the detailed uh, explains the initial one under all circumstances, or only when they're similar, when they're congruent, congruent when they're both mitzvah ta'aseh or both mitzvah lo ta'aseh. Over here, it's an ironic, it's a, it's a peculiar case. It starts with a mitzvah ta'aseh, tel olam, leave it as a man, and then it says, don't rebuild it. Is that second one qualifying the first one, or is it giving another detail? That's the question over here. It says the Gemara Lema, maybe the mahluk between Bi Akiva and Bi Gilili is Bidir Bi Avin Amar Bi Ila Kamiflegeda. Amar Bi Avin Amar Bi Ila Kolmakom Chatamotse Kelal Baase, Uperat Belota Ase, and Danino Tobi Klal Uprat. So just the Gemara, well, we have the statement of Rabbi Avin. Rabbi Avin says the, the, that, that one of the 13 attributes of the, with which the Torah, or 13 ways in which the Torah is explained, is only applicable when it's both on mitzvot ta'aseh, or both on mitzvot lo ta'aseh. If it starts with a mitzvah ta'aseh, and then the next one is mitzvah lo ta'aseh, don't read it that way. Oh, that might be the machlok between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yosea Gilili. Well, Rabbi Yosea Gilili says, here's how it goes. I disagree with that statement. I think it goes as follows. The, initially, the pasuk says, Tel olam. The pasuk tells me very clearly what's the halakha needs to be utter destruction. Lotibane od. Well, I, that's, that's furthermore, it's just, a, it's just a detail in the initial. Whereas Rabbi Akiva disagrees. Rabbi Akiva says, maybe the fact that I have a second statement is now teaching me another law. Because after all, the first one was a mitzvah ta'aseh. The second one was a mitzvah lo ta'aseh. It can teach me, don't rebuild it. But what can you do? You can instead leave it as gardens and as, uh, as places of growth. Maybe even Rabbi Akiva maintains the opinion of Rabbi Avin. And instead, this is what they're disagreeing about. So instead, to read the Pasuk, it goes as follows. Everyone agrees that the second statement, generally speaking, 99% of the time, will not be a It's qualifying the initial statement. Over here, it's a bit different because over here, you have extra details with regards to the wording. It says, and that Lotibane'od, according to Rabbi Akiva, is telling you, 
hone in on the rebuilding. The rebuilding means I'm talking now about buildings specifically. I'm not talking about growth. I don't talk about a binyan kerem. I talk about a nitiat kerem. I don't talk about building an orchard. I talk about planting an orchard. So the separate wording tells you already that I separate that second statement from the first statement. Again, generally speaking, if I have the second statement, it's going to qualify the initial statement. Over here, it's an exception. Why is it an exception to be Akiba? Maybe over here because the start of mitzvah and it went into mitzvah lotas. No, no, that's not the reason. Over here, I agree. In that sort of circumstance, the second one will not qualify. The reason is because over here, loti bane od. The word od is the question. Is the word od telling me lekemashehayeta to the way it was initially, or alternatively, am I saying od means at all? Says the Gemara onward. Go ahead. The Gemara is explaining the mahluk between Bi'akiva and Bi'oseha Gilili. The Mishnah had two opinions. Bi'oseha Gilili says you can't rebuild it at all. The Bi'akiva says you can allow for it to be ginot and pardesim, right? Those are the two opinions. What's underlying their two opinions? So initially the Gemara thinks it's a question of midocha Torah nidreshit by him. Do we apply kelalu prat over here? And then the Gemara says, no, even if we don't apply it, Rabbi Akiva still would maintain his opinion. Nothing more and nothing less than that. I mean, it's a general significance. Well, finish, give me one second. Says, says the Beraita over here, it says, if there were trees in the city, if they're tilushin, if the trees were cut, they're asubahana, they need to be destroyed. If they're mehubarim, if they're still connected to the ground, well, in such a circumstance, mutarin, they don't need to be destroyed. What's the difference between if they're connected or not connected? Well, if you recall, we saw earlier the Gemara says that the Torah says, tikbot visarata, you gather and you burn, which means to say, there's no other stages included over here. Remember the context? The context was with a woman's hair. You need to cut her hair and then burn. We don't do two stages. If it's already there, you throw it into the middle and you burn it. If you have to do something else, cut the tree and then burn it, you won't do so. Says the, says the Beraita onward. However, if it's from, quote, another city, then even if it's connected to the ground, it gets destroyed. Wait a second. What's the other city? You told me if it's connected to the ground, I don't destroy it. If it's it's not going to go, this other one is different. What's that other one? The Gemara will suggest it's this a biblical city, a city we know from Sefi Yoshua called Yericho. And we're going to get into Agadot and conversations about Yericho. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen. Amen.